Welcome to the Inside Line podcast presented by Thor. I'm this week's host, Michael Lindsay, and this week's guest is Christian Craig. Christian debuted a little over 10 years ago as a professional, but in that time, we haven't seen him race that many seasons due to two major reasons. One is a debilitating back injury, which he will speak about in this podcast, that nearly left him paralyzed and unable to race a motorcycle ever again, coming right after signing his first team professional contract. From there, we've seen him put out some amazing rides, especially on a 450 Outdoors against the likes of Ryan Dungey, Ryan Villapoto, and James Stewart running up front and really amazing the overall industry. Even after putting in some of these great performances just due to injuries and lack of rides, Christian actually had to take a step away from the sport and get what most would consider a real job. From there, he started a family, and the bug bit him to prove to his son and to himself that he could still do this, coming back and restarting his career, refreshing himself, and now making himself one of the top contenders in the 250 class for the Geico team for many years. We're going to sit down talk to Christian about the road that it's taken to get to where he is now and really talk about the mentality shift for him as he started a family and what that's done to him as a racer and just how it's affected his overall life and balance. As usual, we'd like to thank the people that make these podcasts happen. Since 1968, Thor MX has been supporting some of the world's most elite racers, including the 2018 250 Pro Motocross champion, Aaron Plessinger. Head to ThorMX.com to see the racewear that Aaron and the rest of the Star Racing Yamaha team trust day in and day out. Also, Shaparel Motorsports has been helping riders outfit their dirt bikes for more than 30 years. Today, ShapMoto offers professional advice online and in-store helping you find the best riding gear parts accessory and tires for all your power sports vehicles visit chatmoto.com today let's jump into our chat with christian craig i can't i can't remember the other day who i was talking to but it, it came up the beginning of your pro career was kind of interesting you know so many guys come out of loretta's and do 250 deals or something but you rode x games for your basically your pro debut which josh grant weeded up at from from a screw of his angles and then you got to ride his bike for the next four rounds definitely not the the way most guys turn pro go straight to a factory 450 team i I guess i like to start with guys kind of like some of the earlier part of their careers so for you what was that like i mean was that your expectations that were, were you surprised that that's how you ended up starting your career and was it cool in the moment or was it overwhelming or yeah, I mean, definitely not the way a normal amateur comes up out of pro. Um, it, I did it an odd way. I don't think anyone's ever ever done that. Um, I mean, people come out of amateurs and ride a 450 pro, but not the way I did. Um, I never had stellar amateur results. I won a couple uh, intermediate races here and there and then a couple A1s, but never a Loretta's title, um, never being a podium overall at Loretta's. I got hurt there one year when I was sitting like fourth overall and didn't get to finish my last moto. So yeah, it was, uh, it was different for sure. I got the call to like go do X games and on a privateer bike and just do it on my own. Um, and it sounded like fun at the time, you know, looking back, it was, it was a lot of, like a lot of fun. I got to do all this supercross testing when I was 18 and, um, on a 450, which was, which was fun too. And then yeah, I mean, at that race, Josh Grant crashed, did something to his ankle again, and then um, a week later, I got a call from JGR to fill in for the last four rounds for him, and um, I mean, it didn't go well. I mean, I would say it was okay, but I wasn't as prepared as I should have been. Um, I came in... Every spoken word of almost every amateur. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was 
oh man, coming into Unadilla, no idea what to expect. Just wanted, I wanted to do good. You know, like I'm like, oh, I could, I could do good here. I qualified well, and then went DNF, DNF. So right away, I'm like, all right, well, that was a rude awakening. Let's let's go back and try to get better. And then the next weekend, I uh, I finished both motos, and I'm like, okay, we're we're going somewhere now. And then it slowly got better. I had a couple uh, inside the top tens, and um, you know enough to open up David Pingree's eyes, which who was the team manager at TLD at the time. And I begged for for a ride from him, which um, eventually paid off. So a little bit of a backpedal, uh, kind of into that amateur career because you never had those stellar results at Lorez. I imagine every time you go to Lorez, is your kind of like talking to different team managers like oh based on how you do there and then it didn't go well and imagine the phones don't ring much after that did you ever have like any prospects going on or was that kind of the idea of the x Games thing in the first place just because there wasn't really anything yeah. out there yeah there was nothing um i had no calls i had nothing set up like i can't remember any teams saying hey like hey we're gonna watch the rotas and if you do well we'll put you on the team there was none of those um I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if it was my attitude because I was a shyer guy, so I just didn't talk to anybody much. Like, I just didn't reach out to any teams. You know, I tried to, I guess I let them come to me, and it just never happened. And then I actually qualified for the Reddits that year I raced X Games and was planning on racing there in A and, and doing well and trying to get a ride for the last four, but ended up going the other route to X Games. So, um, I mean, I don't know what have, what would have been better the way I did it or if I would have stayed A and raced Loretta's but um, either way it kind of worked out in the end now the first year of course Ping signed you at the time TLD wasn't uh, you know the factory team it was now but it was still like a, especially I think like visually very cool team very yeah. one of the better 250 ever if you weren't going to be on the big four heck I would even say at the time it was I mean, it was better to be on than Star. Star wasn't a good factory team at that time. Yeah. Uh, so, good effort. And then I, I think, you know, I don't know if people if people know the, the second time you kind of had a layoff from your career. I can't remember if, if enough people remember what happened to you the first go-around was the, the back injury. Yeah. Basically, your entire first year of TLD is non-existent because it, it didn't happen. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've told my story a couple times about it, but it was a long time ago, so... I mean, a lot of my new fans or whatever you call them, people I'm around, they don't know. They're like, what is that scar on your back? And I'm like, I'll tell you the story, you know. So it was in 2009. I I, uh, I did a test day with, with Pingree and the TLD team. I finally set it up, went out to the, the test track, and felt awesome right away. I'm like, this is so good. And then the whole next week, I'm just texting Pingree. I'm like, give me a chance. Give me a chance. And they, they uh, had a couple other guys come out and ride the bike. I think it was Tommy Week came out and I think two other guys. Um, and I knew it. And I'm like, I can beat these guys. You know, I'm faster than them. Give me a chance. And, if you know, it paid off. I signed a contract the next week. It was for pretty much $0. Um, I mean, the salary was embarrassing. But the team didn't have a budget. They, they were... They weren't going to pay their riders a good salary. They were like, hey, you know, Honda is going to pay bonuses, so you do well, you're going to get get good bonuses. So I didn't care at the time. I'll do whatever. Um, a salary didn't matter to me. I just wanted to be on a good team and a good bike, and I felt like Troy Lee was a good, a good team. Um, so going through that, it was about two or three weeks later um was riding almost every day with the team just me they i was only the only guy signed at the time 
and uh, it was the day before I got onto the newer the newer 250, which was... It was an 09 car bike and 10 yes. was the new bike. So I was riding the 09, and then I went and rode the 2010 EFI bike at Paris one day, and they're like, okay, um, you know, in two days, we'll have a Supercross suspension for you, and you can start testing it. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went out the next day, back on the 2009, I'm like, oh, this is my last day on it just do my motos and do whatever and Pingry was helping me at the time so he was at the track and um telling me to do what you know whatever I, I was listening I was a sponge I was doing whatever he told me um and I felt so strong I felt like if it wasn't for the back injury my whole career looked different um coming into the 2010 season I felt like I would have would have won or done really well um but stepping back to the back injury um yeah so it was the last day in 2009 i remember just like i remember it like yesterday literally even though it was so long ago now um we were at the ktm test track which we shared at the time um tld paid a little extra to to ride that track and it was just a normal day i think tommy Searle was there riding um just me and him and i had a couple friends this is the first time i brought i brought my brother out um to come watch me i had a couple other buddies and then yeah everything was going good i come off to a uh, step on step off and i go to triple through the section all of a sudden the bike pretty much just hits the kill switch and shuts off um didn't see it coming obviously it was like the bike just died right at the the wrong time um i've had bikes blow up on me and luckily it was like after a section or down a straightaway or something but this one was at the wrong time and just threw me over the bars and landed on my butt and pretty much folded me in half um didn't even like scuff my helmet like i just landed on my butt and did a flip over and i remember just sitting there um trying to get up and i was like trying to shake it off and i couldn't move um i'm like i finally come to and i'm like i can't feel my legs and literally i was was like hitting hitting my thighs and quads and i could not feel them and i was kind of like curled up on my side and i was just started screaming like i can't feel my legs just yelling freaking out and all that was going through my head was i'm done and i'm gonna be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and it, it was the most scary feeling I've ever been through and ever will experience. Um, you know, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't have to tell the whole story, but I destroyed my whole lower back. Um, one of the vertebrae was was pinching onto my spinal cord at the time with the way I was laying. And um, once the ambulance came, they've flipped me over and put me on a backboard and right away there was a sensation that came down my legs so it was just the way I was laying was making me paralyzed um but I remember being that that uh ambulance on the way to the hospital with a smile on my face and my brother was in the front and I'm like I can feel my legs I can feel my legs I don't care what else I broke in my back I can feel them like I'm gonna be okay I'm gonna walk again and I remember I would move my feet non-stop because I did not want that to go away um they're probably telling you in the gurdy yeah so stay like still in your shaking. my toes and everything were just moving back and forth back and forth 
and uh, a couple surgeries later a 12-hour surgery to, to repair my whole lower back um, and then I had to spend a month in a, a rehab facility learning how to walk again um, so I didn't have full feeling back it was I mean, I can move them, but I still had numbness, so I had to start from scratch. I mean, I was in a wheelchair for a while and then worked my way up to a walker. And then uh, eventually, finally, I threw that walker. I'm like, I'm done with this thing. I'm going to walk. I'm going to start walking now. And finally, you know, I got back to, to normal. And then it took a year to heal and a whole other surgery to take the hardware out. Um, but man, I, I mean, I was at, I was young at the time, so all I cared about was getting back on a dirt bike. You know, like I don't care about walking or whatever. How long till I can get back on a dirt bike? That's all I care about. And they said one year, you know, you'll be back. And I'm like, okay. So it was countdown, and luckily, uh, Troy was was so nice to, you know, he kept my contract going even though it was barely any pay they, they said they'd keep me on and when I would be back on a dirt bike that they would have a spot for me so what's funny though looking at it um I'm actually like really good friends with Cole Seeley now and as soon as I got hurt he was debating on quitting at the time in 2009 he raced a couple supercrosses he wasn't getting any rides and then when I got hurt they needed a rider and uh they ended up calling him up and he rode the bike and it uh, I, I mean i don't that's just pretty crazy to me that that kind of sparked his career and look at where he's at now you know he's multi-time supercross winner and almost won a championship a couple times um it's pretty funny to look back now and and see all that play out Next, so. next, do you ever do, have you ever done that pedal and just look at and point your back? You can thank this. Yeah, you, you can thank. Yeah, I'm like you know <laughs> if I didn't break my back, I'm, that might be my career. <laughs> no, but I mean Cole earned it. He uh, obviously look where he's at now. So I just think that's a funny story that I, that all came out. You know, he was like my the filling writer for me. Um, it was going to be me and Will Hahn on the team, and when I got hurt, they needed someone, and they they hired Cole. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, and that's funny because you've been Cole's fill in at HRC yeah, since. <laughs> I know it did a full circle, and I was his fill in this year. So we'll just try to not be fill ins and just do our own just thing from now on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, up and downs for me. Um, just throughout my whole career i mean a lot of little bit of highs here and there and good results and then a lot of lows um just injury filled career almost in a way um leading up to my stepping away i don't, I don't mean to say retirement because i didn't have any money to retire on um <laughs> it's always hard part always, i'm yeah. retired it's like well no i never said i retired but people were calling me that and i'm like no man i'm not retired i'm just going to get a different job like i have no money um, I can't retire on the, anything right now. So, yeah, leading up to that, it was just too many injuries. I kind of just fell fell away from the love of it, um, just from being on the sidelines so much. And I was kind of just sick of it. So had to try something new. And I think, you know, everybody kind of knows my story from there on out where I went and got a job and worked construction for two years. And, um ended up coming back and had a lot a lot of fire underneath me um to do to do well and make this career work this time 
So the kind of weird part is you rode for TLD for the earlier part of your career and now the Geico team, which are both 250 efforts, but especially that first part of your career, when you when you look at it just on paper, you, you start on a 450 and you really actually rode a 450 because your first two years TLD, you got like one, I think, yeah, one race in one year and two in the year. I can't remember yeah. it was one of those two. So you, you actually, in your overall results, you started your career on a 450, and I think you've almost done more 450 races than you have 250s when you round the entire thing together. Because of where you are now, I mean, you're, you're still on a 250 team. Does it make you – do you feel like at any point like you're something you still really want to accomplish on 250, or are you always looking for because you – as well as you ride a 450, you feel like that's where your career should go eventually? Or I mean, I think everyone's goal is to be on a factory team on a 450. That should be – everybody um eventually you got to move up you, whether it's your age or you point out um unfortunately i mean i'm 27 and i'm still in 250 class i'm hired to race a 250 and yeah it is funny um looking back I, i'm pretty sure i have more 450 races under my belt than 250 even though i, I was hired by tld to race a 250 and hired by geico to race a 250 um it's just played out to be like this and and I don't push it that way. Um, it's fill-in rides that I, I take or um, just opportunities. Like TLD needed a 450 guy for outdoors, and I, I said I'd do it. And so that's what made that that happen. And once I got good results, they are like, okay, you're going to do 450 outdoor from now on. So whenever I was on TLD was 250 Supercross, 450 outdoor. And my Supercross results, I was always injured, so that didn't work out. Um and then, yeah, I mean, I feel like with 250, I, I, I ride that bike just as good as a 450. It doesn't, it, the power doesn't matter to me. Um, I mean, obviously I want the power, but I have, I've had to have Honda D2 in the 450 for me and make it slower. Like 450 is already too much power for anybody. Um, like people are like, oh, like I need more, like I need more for my 450, but I just tell them shift the bike and you'll have plenty. You know, like all you need is like a pipe if you want a pipe or bars. And 450 is plenty, and if not too fast for you or anybody that's trying to ride ride dirt bikes. Um, so, I mean, I am a bigger rider, and people say that I fit the 450 well or whatever. Like, oh, your results, you you ride the 450 so much better. But I've won on a 250. I've all my podiums are on 250. Um, it might be because the class was less stacked but um i mean supercross i i ride that 250 really well and i feel like i'm capable of title of a championship in the 250 class and i and i want to accomplish that and then when the time comes to move up you know not have any regrets on the 250 to to want to go back or anything like that Hey, we're going to hit pause on our chat with Christian Craig really quick to thank the people that make this podcast happen and allow us to bring this to you. For over 50 years, Thor MX has been at the forefront of motocross racewear innovation with products that are purpose-built to help riders perform at the highest level in one of the most demanding sports in the world. The 2019 collection featuring the Revolutionary Prime Pro Racewear is available now. Head to ThorMX.com to learn more. Also, from tubes and tires to MX jerseys, gear bags, hard parts, and a huge selection of dirt bikes, ShopRail Motorsports has everything you need to keep you roosting the track or trail. Check out ShopMoto.com. Let's resume our chat. Thanks for listening. 
Uh, Team-wise for you, so when, like I said, when you got signed to TLD, it was Pingree, and then right after, about a year later, I think is when TK uh, TK took over, and I kind of think of the two operations, you go to Geico's Race Shop, and it's it's massive. There's a lot of crew involved, and then TLD is now a factory team, but at the time you were with them, TK, a lot of young mechanics, I think of it as a very young ragtag group how how different is it riding for each team from the personalities to is there anything that you enjoyed more about one over the other per se or that that might stand out as people might not think of with each one yeah um so tld was a small team not like how it was or how it is now um they're pretty much privateer effort with a couple factory parts here and there and Troy just had a passion to to have a team, and he made it work, which was cool. I always love going into to his shop, and there was just so much rad stuff there with Troy. You know, you go in the back and look at all these cool helmets getting painted or just artwork and all this stuff, and then you go past the the warehouse. You walk through the warehouse, and out the back is a little shop where we were. Um, and I was young at the time when I was... Uh, racing for them and and then when Pingree left and Tyler Cannon came in the position he pretty much like became my dad in a way um he uh TK has a lot of young riders yeah. I think he feels like a dad <laughs> yeah I think a lot of riders could say that like Cole or Jesse um would say the same thing I mean he wanted the best for us and sometimes we uh would butt heads um, I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff, but I was young, and now I look back and I'm like, yeah, I should have listened to that, and I should have listened to that. But um, at the time, I didn't take full advantage of it. Uh, I was, like I said, I was 19, 20, and just wanted to be cool, and I was on a team, and I raced dirt bikes. Yeah, I raced dirt bikes, and didn't want to put in 100. percent I would train. It was it was normal. Like I would go train with all the guys, but I didn't do the extra and didn't put in the more laps or whatever you would say. So I wasn't fully in 100%. So um, I do regret that part of not taking fully advantage of that. And that led to them not re-signing me in 2013. And, and I don't blame them. Um, my results were, were terrible. And pretty much they are paying me to sit on the sidelines for most of the time. And it was. Uh, I wish I could have done more for the team put in better results but that's just how it played out and then you know obviously the story of coming back and Geico signing me um total total different thing it was one of the things growing up was uh I mean I would say when I got into the B classes where I really looked up to Geico Honda and I would race Barsha in in the B class and he just got signed to the amateur program so I would see him at all the nationals I was just so just wanted to be on that so bad and I'm like oh, you know that bike is so fast and just their whole setup it was something I always looked up to um it was cool how they ran that 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 whole amateur deal they brought Kennard Wharton Barsha was in my my time and then uh man they're still doing it just all these kids they're bringing up them they do it so right and it, it's um it's cool to see now that you know I have like their amateur guy Carson I'm close with and um you know I try to help out as much as I can with that also but yeah going back I mean it was a dream come true for me to to sign a contract with them um even it it was a one-year deal at first and then obviously I put in some good results and stuff started clicking for me and and I signed my first actually two-year deal in 2016 
every other time it's been one year and it's it's stressful um i understand the team side of it you know if if i don't get the results why have me on for two years or have anybody on you know do a one-year deal and if it does work out you do two more so it was cool to sign a two-year deal and have some security and and have time to kind of build yourself so um, I actually did just sign a, another two-year deal throughout the summer uh, this year to to stay on the team. So, um, man, it's been awesome. Obviously, uh, my wife's dad owns part of the team, and people can say whatever. Um, they could say that I, I'm on the team because of that, but I mean, I've won before, so why don't why don't I be, deserve to be on the team? Um, I've I've podiumed every year I've been with the team, so. I mean, as long as I, I keep producing results for them and, and, and being up front, I think I, I deserve a spot or, uh, you know, deserve to be on, the, on that team. So you actually went exactly towards one of the questions I was going <clears> to <throat> kind of bring up because I, I don't think he at least is not as much as I'm used to on the social media. It comes up every once in a while. It's typically if you're, you know, if you're Ryan Good, people don't question it. But if you're on the sidelines, people question why, why you have your spot because of, because of the family ties. But the other thing I thought was interesting, I, I'd heard you just signed your deal, um, like I said, with Summer for two-year two-year extension. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is to the fact of interest from our teams, I, I believe you had another offer on the table. So, I mean, from your own side, does that feel like a nice little bit of affirmation, like I'm here because I deserve to be, like yeah. people are clearly interested in what I'm able to perform and do? Yeah, and I I mean, I did have offers from an, another team, um, and it, it is cool to to have that. You know, I never had that growing up or anything. So to have other teams want me, um, obviously I, I want to stay loyal and, and be on a team that, that I love and the people that I want to be around. So, I mean, that's that's Geico Honda for me. Um, man, everybody there is, is it's really a welcoming team, which is really cool. And everyone kind of works together, and whether it's your teammates too. Um, man, it, it's, it's awesome. But... Yeah, I mean, the whole two-year thing, which is which is cool with Geico Hondo, is is if a 450 deal comes up within these next two years, um, and it's fitting, say even if it's not factory Honda, um, something factory or something like that, um, they would possibly let me to move on, um, and they would understand that too, which is which is cool. But if not, you know, I have. And they understand they want their riders to, to go 450 eventually. So, um, and they're not going to stop those those opportunities from their guys. Um, obviously, they don't want me to go to another 250 team, and I'm not going to. But if it were to be factory Honda, you know, they would they let me move there, which is which is awesome. Mentality wise, listening you talk a little bit about where, where you were at or what your mindset was when you were at TLD compared to uh, now. I look at your time when you had to step away and get a real job. You established your life, your family. Um, it, it's funny. It's me and Zach Osborne were talking about this when I did the one with him. Is I, I see a big change, at least personally. Um, I'll, I'll give this to Key for him and his home life thing. He wants. <laughs> hey, that thing's true. Hey, that's all I was gonna Very get to because we were joking about Zach, and I mean, a lot more guys are have more of an established family um, program behind and people, everything, whether it's just plain, just simply wife and kids or their entire family behind them compared to, I mean, there's a couple guys exception. Anderson's definitely yeah. got his loose program, but um, I, I see it more and more common now. 
Do you feel like just the experience of having to work a job put you where you're at mentality or do you put a lot of that towards, like I said, do you believe really heavily in that, that it's, you know, part of the reason why you're able to focus, do the work you are is because of the entire basically family life you've put together in the established background. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, having my kid when I was in Minnesota, um, that lit a fire under me to, to be better at racing also when I came back and he's, he's the main reason you know, I'm doing this right now. Um, I want I want to show him, obviously. And he's young, and he's not going to remember this, but he'll see the pictures and he'll see videos. And um, and then when he grows up, I want you know whatever it is he wants to do, I'm I'm going to be there and, and tell him to not give up. You know, and not stop trying until you accomplish what you want in whatever sport or whatever job. You know. Um, but again, yeah, going back. So it's funny. Um, Kiefer praises that. And it's so true, though. Um, Mathis makes fun of it, and a couple other guys do. I tease him, but I think yeah. he has a very solid point. But it is so true. Um, I'm not going to name any riders, but you see, you see riders like on social media messing around or um, whatever, and then they're not producing results on the weekend. Um, then you see a guy like Plessinger. He's settled down, um, had a baby do. Um, around the same time we did his first kid um got got married or he's getting married and he's riding the best ever i think it's it's something there is when you go home and you see your family and you know they just they just make you happy and they make you want to work harder so it's it's when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to do that bike ride um you know like i dropped my kid off this morning at school and then i went and did a long bike ride and you know i could have made up an excuse in my head and been to be like, why do I have to go on this bike ride? You know, like it's off season. I don't have to be riding right now or doing anything. But there was just something like that that just sticks in your head is to to uh, keep going and never give up for your kid or for your wife. Um, it's a, it's cool and it is true um, that whole family family life thing. Um, it you know something there that clicks for sure. I just laugh the way I'm comparing this in my head. Like you said, you could make excuse and bail because during my bike ride this morning, I was listening to a, to a pulp podcast that had like Matasevich and Dogger on it and Stephenson, and they're basically joking about being over it and pouring all the gas out of their bike and singing a field for 20 minutes and lying their mechanic they rode and stuff when they actually just wanted to goof off. And oh, yeah. And I mean, that, back in the day, it was a lot different, too. Um, you didn't really have to train. All you do is ride, and I felt like the most talent guys in the 90s or whatever before then um, their talent pulled them through. Yeah, you know. And nowadays, it's like there's such an even playing field. Yeah, like everyone's talented, and yeah. it's whoever does that extra. Yeah, is what gets you through. It's funny to me the transfer went through because you listen to like Wardy and Stan's era, more like the 70s, 80s when they talk about doing triathlons the yeah, day after so race. They did train, and then yeah. the late 80s and the 90s, it, it was kind of a it went shift way the other direction. <laughs> it's more party than Habasu. So. Yeah, I do gotta admit, like Simmons likes to argue. I think it was on who trained harder. I'm like, I'll give it to him. I think like some of the guys like Sam Ward probably trained yeah. purely workload harder. I'm not gonna say it was very smart training at the time. Like, yeah. probably not great to come home from a national and do a triathlon the next yeah, day no, but. i've heard about wardy's thing is he rode every day yeah that's crazy like even sundays when you get back home he'd go ride in the hills and i'm like geez and now you look at him he's riding a mountain bike every day and he hammers that guy's crazy and he's freaking he's strong and it's i mean it's cool <laughs> it's cool to hear those stories 
So I think it's uh, the other thing that's interesting is seeing how guys, I guess, work together or don't. You you have plenty of riders that have training partners per se, but I look at specifically you in, in a certain group of, like you mentioned, you and Cole being really close, um, AC, Mumford. You definitely have people that you ride with, but I say you, maybe you take it a little further than some of the guys that's just train part. Like you definitely seem to have real friendships and moto and definitely – Especially looking at you and Cole this offseason, both being hurt, it's not. Yeah, it, it, it's not what I would consider the typical. Oh, we train and ride together, like actual legit friends on the track, and actually have a, a yeah. family and everything built around moto. Yeah, and I think it's it's important, you know, whether you're at home or whether you're at the track, is you surround yourself with the people you like, um, whether it's your friends or your team. You know, you got you gotta like who you who you're around most of the time, and it's pretty much like. I mean, you're with the guy every day um, at the track. You're riding four or five days a week. You're training, so you're seeing this guy all the time, whoever it is, your mechanic, your trainer, and you got to have a true friendship with them. Um, going back to 2016 when, when I had all these podiums and everything worked for me, um, I, I went into 2017 a little too serious and a little too – I think I was too hard on myself – and I, I lost a lot of the fun I was having. Um, I hired a, a trainer on the bike. I hired a. I had a trainer off the bike. Man, I was doing so much stuff, and I thought all this, like doing all this stuff, was gonna like better me. But I, and during all this, it was like too much for me. Um, it was it was a lot, and every day I was like, going to this track, and and I mean, Villaman was the guy I hired, and. Um, he was awesome to work with, but it was hard too. It's like nothing's good enough for him, you know. And um, it works for some guys, but for me, it was just hard. It, it was like, you know, whenever I'd pull off the track from a moto, he would just name all the things I did wrong. And I'm like, what I do right? And he's like, it doesn't matter what you did right. This is what you did wrong. And that's just the way he was raised, and that's the way it worked for him. Um, it's not going to work for everybody. I mean, look, at he's working with Ferrandis, and those guys are clicking, and something's there, and, you know, and, and Ferrandis likes that. To where, for me, is it took a lot of the fun out, and I know it's my job, and I'm getting paid a lot of money to to produce, and but there, it's still a dirt bike, and you should still love to ride it. Um, and if you lose that love or the, the fun you have every day, which is easy to do when you, when it's your job, um, when you go to the track every day and you don't want to test all day and or be at Glen Helen till till dusk train or doing suspension testing, you yeah you're like you take it for granted. But at the end of the day, you when you're home at night, you, you're pretty blessed to have this as your job. Um, and I I know now is when this is done, <laughs> you're gonna miss it. Um, the dirt bike stuff is whether I'm too old or or I don't have a ride anymore. Um, so I got to I gotta make sure I use all this to my advantage right now. And, and yeah, I mean, Villaman was awesome, and I tried it. It just didn't work out for me with him. Um, so the whole 2017 season was I took it too serious, and it just didn't work out for me. So going into the 2018 season, I linked up with Cole. Um, I've known Cole for a long time now, and, and – we would ride the Honda track together, and I'm, I was like, finally, I'm like, I'm going to start doing motos with you. You know, is that all right? Like, I don't really have a program, but can I just do what you're doing? And 
that slowly just built into where he eventually hired my trainer at the time, which is Blake. And he called me and he's like, hey, like, you know, tell me about Blake. And so I hooked them up. And then we, we became training partners and plus riding partners. So, I mean, it's cool now is we're going on our second year of doing this. And, yeah, almost three. So it's it's cool. Uh, is We love going to the track and riding together. Um, like, we'll do these motos and we'll be at each other's necks, you know, like where he wants to stuff me and all this. But I'm smiling in my helmet, you know. It's like I'm having fun and that's what matters to me is uh we we still laugh at the end of the day um and there's still gonna be those hard days there's gonna be days that we don't want to ride and stuff and that's fine but as long as you're still enjoying it every day and 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 you're around the guys that you like to be around um i think that's when it works out for you i know me and you were talking about i think it was during suit late supercross kind of that i I kind of judges off what we've already talked about a little bit about you know being motivated because of your family now and also trying to find the right balance between being serious and and family and everything i know even like uh this summer you were considering uh going back to minnesota for the summer to ryan stuff because your wife was about to have a second kid and everything so definitely see things like that that are you know you you're weighing the balance of your life not everything's about the dirt bike yeah um we had a kid do or we have a kid and she was doing right in the season of outdoors um and when when before i tore my acl and i had the summer off um i was like you know what she's gonna be stressed out she's got a three-year-old here in california her family's not out here um and if we go to Florida, her, her fam, there's no family out there. It's the same thing out in California if we go to Florida, which I did in 2017. And um, so it just made sense is if I'm gone on the weekends or when I'm riding every day to ha- to be in Minnesota and have her family there. And, uh, man, I, I think it would have worked out well. And it did. I mean, we still ended up going to Minnesota even though I had a torn ACL. We spent a month there, and we had she had the baby there, um, the same hospital. Jagger was born, and... Um, we had family help and, and all that. So that, that helped out a lot. And I mean, if I was racing and I tried to do all this in Florida, the stress of her comes off onto me and then it affects me. You know, it's, I'm going to the, to the track stressed out because she's, you know, about to pop a baby out and I have to stress and make sure that I'm back at a certain time. So that just affects me riding and, and training. To where she has her mom there i don't have to worry about that stuff i can go do my job and then when i come back i'll be there you know so it's stuff like that that i came up with you know it's you got to think about your family also now um and i mean this job is luckily i mean she's a stay-at-home mom right now and and I'm, i plan to keep it like that for a long time to uh at least till they're in school you know most of the time so it's uh we're we're really lucky and i have to remind myself and her that a lot of the time like when we're stressed out with these kids or just having a bad day i'll send you know i'll just tell her like we're really lucky right now like just to be doing what we're doing so um yeah i mean it's cool the position we're in right now just seeing all the stuff that i've built and we've built together um bought a house you know and just just all this stuff we're just going through life you know um and i'm just trying to do it all the right way but we're learning in the same way 
I'll say so you've done you've done both ends of the spectrum I say I can definitely tell you're you're grateful for what your job is now because you went and worked a re- you went from I think most amateur kids growing up like oh I'm going to eventually get a ride I'm going to make money I'm going to be a motocross supercross star like it's all going to work out absolutely did not between injuries no phone calls you had to yeah. go do the normal job the normal nine to five and now like I said it, it's funny listen like definitely motocross supercross for you now is a job but you also know it's an amazing job a fun job a, a that few are lucky enough to do uh so when when things are all said and done with with racing what do you think you'd rather where, where do you think your mindset is are you prepared to go back to the the normal job force or would you be the kind of guy that wants to stick around and make the job work in the industry or yeah I'm, i mean i don't think i'm gonna be the normal guy that kind of falls into a training trainer spot i think i'll do classes here and there just to help out the kids or whatever um and i still do it even though i'm racing i still do schools um it's just fun it's a fun thing to do but yeah i mean <laughs> i try not to think about it because my job right now i try to worry about racing but that job could end at any time because we're in a dangerous sport you know there's a lot of people that get hurt that can't ride a dirt bike again um, and you have to put that in perspective and kind of have a plan B. Um, and it's, I mean, for motocrossers, there's a, not a whole lot of plan B stuff. There's, you can't fall back on anything. Um, there's very few that can retire um, and live fine and not have to work again. But there's, that's very few people, very few guys. And, uh, I mean, I'm trying to get there. You never know. I have, a, I have some time left. Um, to win some championships and and if you know just waiting for that that click for me um i feel like once kind of everything comes together for me riding wise training wise and i start winning that's i mean you see it with plessinger once you started winning it's i was born you keep going you keep yeah. going yeah so you get on that roll and that's what i'm working towards so I want to say my 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 fallback thing is to be retired happily, like, and not have to work. But realize too that, I mean, I, I'm probably gonna have to work again, whether it's in the industry or not. Um, but I love dirt bikes, and it's literally that's what I grew up doing. So it's kind of all I know, and and I love being around it. So you know, if you want to do a job you love, so. Uh, I mean, it doesn't work out where you're like team managing or working on a team, being a test rider or something. Um, something I still want to kind of have my foot in the motocross scene, even if it's part time deal, um, and I have a full time job otherwise. Just because I don't want to just fully leave the sport and just be done. Um, I love it too much, you know. I, I still watch it, even when I'm not racing. I watch it every weekend. You know, I, I just love racing. Um, I'm a fan also, you know. I'm a fan of, I watched this whole summer and watched what Plessinger did and just the whole Tomac thing. Um, I watched him from fan, a fan side now this year. So, man, I love this sport and it's it's really cool. Um, so I plan to, to do something in the sport for a lot of years. So I got two more for you, one short one's long, a uh, longer one first. Uh, speaking of you, you know injuries, <clears throat> you and Cole's relationship, what happened to him during Supercross, and then you had to be his fill-in 
emotional emotional that week must have been really weird for him seeing what happened to Cole you being that close with him and knowing only you have to line up like well I think you did you fill in for him a week or two was it two weeks later you were on I don't know one week one week later and you were on his bike yeah that was uh that was tough because when Roxon got hurt I almost got a call to take his spot even though Cole was still racing um, I was almost like, so I was kind of like expecting that, but it didn't, they were like, oh, we're fine with just Cole. You know, we just need one guy. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's fine. So I just kept riding. And then I was watching, I was here at home watching that race on TV. And literally I have chills freaking thinking about it just cause I hate seeing anybody go down. Even if I don't know the guy and you know, it's bad, you know, when they show it on TV, and he just was not moving, and and oh, it's just rough thinking about it. But man, though, it's crazy because I kind of we were on break, the West Coast break, and we had some plans, and then that happens. And Sunday, I get a call from Eric Kehoe, like, "Hey, you want to come ride the bike tomorrow?" And I actually like I made sure, like, even though Cole was going through a lot, I'm like, "Hey, you know." I made sure that he's okay with it. You know, I don't want him to think that, I don't know. I just don't want him to think that the wrong way, you know. So it was, it's another opportunity that opens up for me. So, of course, I jump on it. You know, I, I that's my goal is to be on a factory 450 team one day. So um, you kind of just throw all the plans you had out the window and you go ride that 450 on Monday. And and they weren't expecting me to, to be ready for Atlanta, which is the weekend coming up after that and I'm like I want to go race I'm fine like I'm good and uh it's cool because it, it showed that in my results and stuff like how I rode I whole shotted like it was the triple crown I whole shotted two out of the three main events and I went in there just so open-minded and not expecting anything just like expecting myself to to ride good and that was it I'm like I'm gonna ride the best I can and not expect like a top five or a top ten um, and it showed like that's when you ride your best. Um, so I got to remember that too. It's not not put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, on 250 class, like I put a lot of pressure on myself because I I'm expected to do well and I expect myself to be at least podium. And when that doesn't happen, that's when the pressure just keeps adding up. So I mean, the 450 deal worked out pretty well for me. I finished the season and I'm racing the whole 450. I think I raced more 450 supercrosses than 250 um i almost raced the whole supercross season actually i missed two rounds i missed uh dallas and tampa and then i was back on the 450 so i had some good results that was uh that was a lot of fun i had some bad ones also but that's that just happens Um, it's racing you're not gonna do good in the mall but man it was it was a lot of fun and and going back like cole is I, I went to Florida to uh, just stay back there for some time while the, the racing was on the east, and Cole was actually in Florida where he got hurt, and I went and lived at his house. Um, and every morning I woke up, and he was in a hospital bed in the living room, and I just tried to be as supportive as I could. You know, um, I try not to be talking much about dirt bikes because at the time he wanted nothing to do with one. Um, I tried to just keep it light around the house and not make it because he couldn't get out of bed. Um, he had his, his girlfriend there, and it was it was tough. I watched it all. 
Um, and I've been in that position too. Like I've been through that. So I knew what he was thinking and, and feeling and all that. Just the, like, I know he was probably mad that he couldn't race and that I took his spot and I'm in Florida at the house that he's living in and I'm racing his bike with his mechanic and all that. It's tough. So I made sure that he knew that, you know, I was there for him and, uh, you know, I just try to help out as much as I could and seeing him back on the bike right now is, is awesome. Um, you know, he's supportive with me too. He's, it's, uh, it's cool. We're, we got a tight friendship and, uh, it's a good training partner. It's a fast training partner too. So <laughs> no, it's fun. We keep it light and, and, uh, we have a lot of fun with all this too. So last one, uh, if you ever get to the point in your career, you pick up career number, total choice, what would you pick? And why? Career number? Yeah. So this year I was actually pretty close with before I got hurt. So I raced almost all Supercross season. I'm like, okay, like if I keep doing this outdoor, I'm going to get a career number. And I'm mad because Chase got one. And he's the second year. And I was pissed. And I'm like, <laughs> he gets one. And then how many years am I in? And I still don't have one. So um, I would have picked 44 just because that was my amateur number. Um, I mean, I mean... I've been close to 44 for an AMA number, but never 44. But I don't know. I would have picked that. And then if I win a championship, I want to get a single digit. Um, I don't know what I would take, whatever's open. But I'm surprised. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, there's a lot that nobody's taking. I like that Plessinger took seven. That was. Gut, I think that's cool. Gutsy and cool. Yeah. Like, at the same time, I'm glad he didn't dink around. I think he's going to fit it. it good. Oh, yeah. Um, his style. Yeah, his I think attitude. James is going to be okay with it. I mean. Yeah. I don't know what happens to seven gear, but hopefully maybe Aaron will wear seven. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so 44 would have been my number, and next year I'm going to get a career number. Try to think what, what singles are available now. So we got five. Six. Oh, no. Five. Year, I mean, Martin's six. Martin, so five's eight. available, eight's available, and nine's available. See, five I would have been close to taking if, if I were. was like an Aaron's position. Yeah. But seven is hard to pass up. Oh, yeah. It's James Stewart been held for a long time yeah that's that's a hard one to live up to too you gotta expect to throw a lot of scrubs hey at least he's been working on his after race supercross dances i mean that's early james era. <laughs> he, does, he is showing off a little bit that's all right he's got a personality so that's good um yeah so that's cool uh, thanks for your time man yeah